Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. Hallelujah. If you want to turn to Deuteronomy 28, we'll get there by this time tomorrow. Amen. I was just thinking about a 4th of July many, many years ago where we had gone out. This was back when Aaron and Lindsay still lived in Lexington, uh, Missouri. And they have their 4th of July fireworks extravaganza um, out at the ball fields. And they do it on the 3rd, you know, the day before the 4th. And so we were... How old was Zoe when she was saying, come on, everybody, let's go. Was she like three? What? Yeah, two or three. Zoe was putting together three word sentences when she was 12 months. Scaring the daylights out of people. And um, so, she, you know, we were at their house and we're fellowshipping and having a good time. And she was just so anxious. So, yes, I'm telling a story on your girlfriend. Uh, and she was just so anxious to go. She was so ready. And finally, at one point, she says, come on, everybody, let's go. And we got there. We went out and we put up our little chairs and everything. And we're going to watch the fireworks display. And after the first couple of aerial bombs went off, she was ready to leave. <laughs> it's like, OK, that's enough. I'm a, I want to go home now. You know, <laughs> that's the way a lot of people are about but walking by faith, and that is, they're all ramped up until all at once the, 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 the enemy artillery starts going off. And they say, okay, that's enough. No, we, but we stayed, and she enjoyed the rest of the display. Everybody say amen. And, I, and I'm pretty sure it didn't scar her for life. Amen. We're continuing our series this morning on listening to God. And I know you're waiting for me to talk about supernatural guidance and, and, you know, the voice of the Lord and things like that. And we will get to that, but we need to, we need to go back to the fundamentals first. One of the things that when I played football, our coach used to just absolutely hammer on was fundamentals, 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 fundamentals. And there's a reason for that, because if you don't practice it, you won't do it in the game. It's as simple as that. And you have a tendency to forget those things, you know. And when I was, a, when I was going through police academy, we were doing baton training. Um, and, you know, you, they call it a baton, but what it is is it's a stick. And we would just do these things over and over and over. And it's like, okay, I think we get it. And the, and the instructor said, no, we keep doing it. Keep doing it and keep doing it. And you need to occasionally practice it even after you've gotten out of the academy because when you get in a storm, you are going to do what comes most naturally to you. And if you have trained yourself to re respond the right way, it will serve you well. So we're, we're here in the fundamentals of being led by the scripture uh, are being led by the Holy Spirit. And that is listening to God. And that is the scripture right now. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 5. Jesus speaking of the last days when he says in all three, both Matthew, or not both. In Matthew 25, Luke 21 and Mark 13, 
Those three places in the Synoptic Gospels where he is discussing this with the disciples, he begins, in each case, each evangelist has him beginning with the words, see to it that you are not misled. That today we see it, that being misled, the lies, the prevaricate, people are lying and it doesn't even phase them anymore. And... And there are, and it's even gotten into the church. We'll talk about that. Not so much today, but we'll get there. And Jesus said, for many will come, Matthew 24 and 5. Many will come in my name. Notice it says my name, saying I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. And will mislead many. That doesn't necessarily mean that they will come and say, I am Jesus. I am the Messiah. They will come and say, I'm a Christian. God's talking to me. He's showing me the way through this. You need to listen to me. God has anointed me. And this will be popular in a great many. Uh, you know, they may do some wonderful things. They may even be false uh, false wonders. In fact, and he goes on in verses 11, 12, talk about false prophets, you know, and then in verse 12, how they will give license to people to live licentiously and say it's okay with God. We're seeing that today. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5, it says in the last days men will hold to a form, something that looks like godliness, something that looks very spiritual, although they have rejected it's power. What is the power of God? The gospel. They will have rejected the gospel, even though, now we're going to talk about gospel today. They've rejected the gospel and they've rejected its power. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great German martyr uh, from World War II, spoke of something, you know, this Cheap grace and easy believism we see in North American Christianity today is nothing new. It is an old error. And he said that cheap grace will not impart power and it will not impart character. I'm here to tell you right now, if you want to know the heart of God, God is way more concerned about our character than anything else. Developing us, growing us into spiritual people. Little Jesuses, if you want to call it that. That's what Christian means. Is more important to him. My development, my spiritual development is more important to him than my comfort. You know, one of the things that will happen as you go along is the Lord will bring you into places to which you are uncomfortable. Gloriously uncomfortable. And, you know, just get rid, you know, like I said, you know, he just gets pleasure out of us walking by faith. And so coming to Luke 21, which again is, it's the same passage, it's the same um, situation. It was the same incident as Matthew 24 in verse, verses 34 and 35 of Luke 21. Jesus says this, be on guard so that your heart's will not be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and with the worries of life and that day not come on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of the earth. Living carelessly is a 
hindrance. It is a weight. Um, I was watching uh, a thing the other day, a, a, a video yesterday, because I'm a car guy. And what they, what they had done is they took a GMC with a 6.2 liter in it truck, and they took the new Ford Lightning electric truck, and they charged the electric truck all the way to the top, they filled the GMC with gas, and they hooked them both up to identical trailers which weighed three tons each, 6,000 6, pounds. And what they wanted to do was compare how far the two trucks would be able to go on a, on a fueling or on a, on a charge. And the company that made the electric truck advertises their range at somewhere in the neighborhood of 270 miles. And I've seen other reports that that's accurate. But when you put a 6,000 pound trailer on that thing, it reduced that range from 270 to 90 miles. And believe me, when we hook up a lot of excess baggage and dissipation and loose living and things of that nature, and we've gotten to the point that in, in the North American church where people say, well, that's no big deal. It's a huge deal. It's huge. And when people only go 90 miles, they wonder, well, what? And they're out of breath, and they wonder what happened. And he says that that day may come upon you like a trap. So what happens with a trap? Something springs that you didn't see coming. Something is a surprise. Something is a shock. So in other words, not only does it slow us way down, it, keep, it renders us incapable of perceiving the world around us. Are you with me? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall perceive, they shall understand what God is doing. But if I'm not pure in my heart, these things can spring like a trap. It will come upon all those who dwell on the face of the earth. Many people, and it says suddenly. So there's, in other words, there is a major shift. You know, we, the Lord warned us back in 2019 of an acceleration and how the world was about to change suddenly around us. I believe there are more suddenlies coming. Some of them will be good. Everybody say amen. Some of them not so much. And I don't want to be caught out. Now, we have, we are not to reject the power of God. The power of God is the gospel. There are some people that will tell you that the gospel is Jesus died for me and I can be born again. Well, that's part of the gospel, but that's not all of it. The gospel is about spiritual growth and development. How many would you, of you would believe that if you read it in the scripture, that that is as much the Holy Spirit leading you as if an angel appeared to you at night at the foot of your bed? Or Jesus himself appeared to you in an open vision? So many people have said, oh God, give me a vision. And he said, I already showed you in my word. I remember hearing a story about a guy that wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus and he fasted and he fasted and he fasted and he fasted. Broke his health. And Jesus finally appeared to him. Don't count on this happening because you can't make. And when Jesus appeared to him, he preached the book of Ephesians to him. He didn't give him any extra special revelation. 
And after he finished, if it had been me, I said, okay, and what are the lottery numbers? Now, I know that's important because I've been in a quick trip lately where, you know, one lottery was like 340 million and the other one was like this. And there are people standing there buying lottery. I mean, one guy had a sting, string of lottery tickets this long. And I looked at the clerk and I said, you guys must be selling a lot of these. He goes, you don't even know. I said, wow, now there's a retirement plan. The gospel is more than just Jesus saves. The gospel, the good news, is about how we walk with God. Let me give you, this is a lengthy passage of scripture, but listen to this and listen to the way it ends. So he, meaning John the Baptist, began saying to the crowds who were going out to be baptized by him, you bunch of snakes. Now this, we know from another gospel that he was saying that to the Pharisees. You bunch of snakes, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And don't start saying to yourselves, well, we have Abraham for our father. For I'm telling you that from these rocks, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. Indeed, the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. So every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds were questioning him. See, John the Baptist taught. Is everybody aware of that? He didn't just preach, he taught. And the crowds were questioning him, saying, then what shall we do? Remember John the Baptist had disciples? Guys, he taught. And he says, uh, what, then what shall we do? And he would answer and say, the man who has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And he who has food is to do likewise. He who has food, do the same thing, share. And some tax collectors came to him to be baptized. And they said to him, teacher, what, what shall we do? And he said, collect no more than you have been ordered to. And some soldiers were questioning him saying, what about us? What do we do? And he said to them, don't take money from anyone by force or accuse anyone falsely. Be content with your wages. Isn't it interesting that when they came, they wanted to know how to live to please God. Not just, okay, punch my ticket. Now, while the people, verse 15, were in a state of expectation, all were wondering in their hearts about John as to whether or not he was the Messiah. And John answered and said to them, As for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to thoroughly clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now listen to this. So with many other exhortations, he, what? Preached the gospel. The gospel says don't collect more than you should. Share with others. Treat others with respect. Walk in holiness and righteousness and uprightness. That is as much gospel as Jesus saves. There was a day when that type of ministry was the norm. Exhortation and instruction with warning and reproof as necessary. But today, we don't want to run people off. We don't want to scare them. Amen. And the results are, as we look at our culture around us, are not even, they don't even rise to the level of disappointing. And Mark chapter 1, 
verses 14 and 15, you know, when it says, you know, they were to be, you know, Jesus said, you are to repent and believe the gospel. Let me read it for you here. It says, now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Let me give you some details about Paul tells Timothy about this is gospel ministry. Chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove. That means to correct. Rebuke. That means to rebuke. <laughs> Exhort. Meaning to encourage. With great patience and instruction. Spiritual infants need correction. They need encouragement. I have a five-year-old in my house who sometimes has to be reminded more than once in a 30-minute period about certain things. Pick it up. Pick it up. Pick it up. Don't just throw that over there. What are you doing just throwing that over there? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Preach the word. Be ready. In season and out of season. Correct. Rebuke. Encourage. With great patience and instruction. Because the day will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. You know the word translated sound doctrine? The two words translated there? The word translated sound is the word from which we get our word hygiene. Eugenos, meaning clean, clean teaching, clean doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will heap, accumulate. Heap is the word for themselves, teachers, according to what they want to hear. Man, if Paul could have seen the internet. You know, I mean... That wasn't even possible when he wrote it because of the limitation of travel and technology. But today you can. You can spend all day running down people on YouTube to tell you exactly what you want to hear. And will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. Let me, let me make that a little bit more modern for you. And will... Quit listening to the truth. Quit listening to what's real and we'll turn aside to made up stuff. When I played football, the first coach I remember was a coach named Bill Miller. Mil Miller? Miller. Coach Miller was a stout Christian and good Baptist brother. Solid. His, he, he had a son my age, also named Bill. And one of and, and the coach used to he was the one who used to say fundamentals, 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 fundamentals. And Neil, I'm going to the board. And I remember he was dealing with I played defensive line at that period of time. And, you know, here are here's your offense, you know, out and well, here's the, you know, the center, here's the quarterback, here are your here are your running backs, whatever, and you have a wide out over here, a tight end maybe. And here we, we had a nose guard, and then what we had what we called a defensive guard and then a defensive tackle on both sides. 
Well, I was out here, defensive tackle, playing. I would either play heads up on on the, uh, this guy. I think I've got too many lines, too many X's up here. Um, because there's a guard tackle, and that'd be the end. So I'd, play, I'd usually play either head up on this guy or in the gap. And one of the things he used, the thing they would always tell, he would say, your first job is to penetrate. Get past the offensive line. Penetrate. And get in here. Then, and this was where he said, stay at home. Stay at home. What he meant by that, was don't, don't do anything until I see the ball. I see what they're doing. Is the quarterback fading back to pass? Is he handing it off? And he said, once you see the ball, the ball will be back here somewhere, obviously. Get as deep as the ball and then close. Crash. Close on the ball. And he just pounded this and pounded this and pounded this into our heads. Fundamentals, fundamentals. Stay at home. Stay with what you're tasked to do. Stay with your job. And the reason was because, and if you've ever been to a kid's volleyball game, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Everybody wants to run to where the ball's coming down. Ask me how I know this. You know, I, I tried to play Monster Man on the volleyball team. I was running over to where the ball was coming down, running into people. That's a good way to lose, by the way. And so the reason he did it was because if you come in, you go, oh, there's the ball carrier. And you go like this and he runs right around you. He might say, well, why do we do this? Because if you contain he can't get through here. If he can't get through you, then he has to go like this. And that's fine because you have got inside help. Other guys in there to, to, to tackle. And I remember one time playing Nimitz. We, that's back when they named schools after heroes. Um, we, uh, you know, I got through the line and went, wow, there's no, nothing going on over here. So I trot on down, you know, get as deep as the scrum right there because there's a whole gaggle of people and to my utter amazement the ball carrier pops out and there I am ready to make the tackle instead of having him run around me because I've noticed that most of those backs are faster than I am Paul told Timothy stay at home stay at home stay at home I'll give you the scripture for it 2nd Timothy um, well, let me give you the one that precedes it because you'll see the point. 2 Timothy 3.13. Somebody look and say, wow, football illustration. All we need now is a car illustration. <laughs> Evil men and imposters. That word translated imposters, as you are well aware, means a verbal magician or a spin doctor. People who will do their best. Evil men and people who can... What my mama used to say was, sell ice to an Eskimo. All right. We'll proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's one of the things that really disturbs me about our own government is that these people have given themselves over to deception to the, to the point that they wouldn't recognize the truth. 
if it walked up and slapped him on both cheeks. All right? Look at verse 14. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have believed them. We have been taught the gospel. We have been taught the scripture. We have been taught holiness and righteousness and purity and uprightness. Not legalism. Walking in sincerity and integrity before God. And we are not to shed that as so many have in search of an easier walk with God. Everybody say amen. amen. In fact, he goes on in the very next verse. Look at this. And from childhood, that from childhood, you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith. Time out. Flag on the play. This was before the New Testament. So to which scriptures, sacred writings, could Paul have been referring? The Tanakh. The Pentateuch. The law and the prophets and the Psalms. Is that right? That's what Timothy had. Contrary to popular belief, Paul did not carry the King James Version. And neither did Timothy. They had the Old Testament. What scriptures did Paul, from what scriptures did Paul preach when he would go into a synagogue? He would preach from the Old Testament. He would preach from the prophets. He quotes the, the Old Testament at great length in his writings. And we would have people today who would tell us, we do not need the Old Testament. We have, I mean the Old Testament, we have the New. Oh, yes, we do. We need them both. Have you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have. Timothy, stay at home. Go down to verse 15. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God. Literally that Greek word means God breathed. And is and profitable for teaching for, correct, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate. Actually, adequate is an under-translation. Uh, uh, that would be better translated proficient. The man of God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Wow. We are not to change the gospel to make it more attractive to people who are living in a postmodernist world. We are not to change the gospel and water it down so we don't scare them off. Seeker friendly is not spiritual, spiritual friendly, growth friendly. We're going to talk about that when I get back. The primary lead, now look at this, come back again and read verse. Uh, verse 14 and that from childhood you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you the wisdom that what leads everybody say leads that God will lead us by the scriptures boy we err when we sit around saying oh God give me a sign oh God 
you know, whatever. Now, don't get me wrong. The scripture doesn't cover every single situation that arises in life. But if we will stay in it, the Lord will lead us and he will guide us. It's true. Amen. And that's the primary way God wants to lead each and every one of us. We are to be led by the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is the one who dictated, or not dictated, but inspired the Word. Notice what it says. All Scripture is inspired by God. God breathed. In fact, it's the word theomnustos. The word noustos is the word pneuma, comes from the word pneuma, which means spirit. It's God's spirit proceeding from him and through the, the apostles and the prophets and Moses, they were recorded for us for, and is profitable. What does profitable mean? It will be helpful to you. It will be a blessing to you to, to, to teach you, to reprove you, to correct, to train you. And that word train is a strong word in righteousness. All right. In what? Righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. God wants us walking in righteousness and walking righteously and upright. Uprightly. One of the things that has been just absolutely amazing to me is how in North American Christianity, people can come into a church where they've got the, you know, skillful musicians and the big screens, smoke machines, skinny jeans, as they say, the whole bit. And cry crocodile tears and then go home and crawl into bed with their boyfriend or their girlfriend. That is not right. That's fornication. And yet we see it in among younger Christians. And they're being told, well, you know, God understands. Yeah, he understands perfectly. And then it's a wide open door to the enemy to come in and hold high carnival in your life. Even in your physical body. If we're not changed, something's wrong. If we're not changed, if you plug the fan into the wall and you turn it, turn the switch and nothing happens, something's wrong. How many of you would agree? You know, if you turn on the oven and it doesn't get hot, something's wrong. Well, that's, you know, that's, you know, we're to be changed from glory to glory, faith to faith, transformed. Everybody say transformed. Now I'll close with this. Let's go over to Deuteronomy 28. This is good stuff. And I believe every word of it. Somebody say, well, it's Deuteronomy, the second law. That's for the Jews. Well, I am a Jew. He is a Jew who is one inwardly with the circumcision of the heart, not made with hands, not of the outward man. And this is where God wants to take us individually and corporately as a, as a group. Notice what he says here in Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. And it shall be if you diligently, what's that next word? Obey. obey. See, there are some people that say, oh, don't say obedience. It turns people off. Well, that just means that if that's true, that we're dealing with a bunch of spiritual five-year-olds. Because they don't want to obey. You know, do I have flesh? My wife will confirm that. I do. And is my flesh always... There are times that I'm... Oh, Lord. Please. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been reading through the Word and go, Uh-oh. Because He just reveals something to you. 
Now it shall be if you diligently obey Yahweh your God. Now I know in most versions, English versions it says the Lord. But I am using his name because I have seen way too many churches where Jesus' name is not used and the Father's name is not used and they just keep referring to the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. And you know what? That's what every religion calls their master. My master's name is Jesus of Nazareth. My God, God, my Father's name is Yahweh. And and by that, not only that, the Hebrew text says Yahweh. Now it shall be if you diligently obey Yahweh your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today. Yahweh your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Okay, stop. Nations does not mean countries. That's kingdoms. This would be tribes. This would be people. This would be groups. So you can, within our country are many nations. All right. Keep going here. The nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey Yahweh, your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country, literally the field. Blessed shall be the offspring of your body and the produce of your ground, the offspring of your beast, the increase of your herd, and the young of your flock. Remember, that's an agrarian society, right? Blessed shall be your basket and your, I like storehouse better. Kneading bowl here is a little misleading. But your, your storehouse. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. Yahweh will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be smitten before you. They will come out against you in one way and flee before you in seven ways. Yahweh will command the blessing upon you in your barns and in all to which you put your hand. He will bless you in the land which Yahweh your God gives you. Yahweh will establish you as a holy people to himself. We are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar (laughs) people, a different people. We're to be different. We're to not look like the world, smell like the world, talk like the world. I'll wait, you're worth it. Pastor, you're old fashioned. You're right. I am old-fashioned. I believe in holiness. I believe in integrity. I believe in uprightness. Paul has seen me in many situations. Have you ever heard me swear? Not even once. I'm not saying, I'm not tooting my own horn. The Holy Spirit did that in me. You've heard me tell the story. But there are things I won't watch. There are things at which I will not look. There are things I will not eat and the only thing I smoke is turkeys and ribs and (laughs) getting them in your mouth can be a challenge at times and I'm not bragging on me I'm not doing that I'm saying I believe the reason I am that way is because I believe that pleases the Lord in fact I know it does because he you know and so, well, some people say, well, yeah, but, you know, this helps me identify with people. No, it doesn't. Makes you one of them. 
It's interesting. I don't know why this illustration just came back to me, but it's a true story. I heard this girl tell about it. That, you know, he talks about how it will bless the offspring of your body. Parents praying for their children. When you're walking with God in faith and uprightness, that has an impact. And God will shield your children from stuff. I mean, when Aaron was headed out for Afghanistan and he let us know, I'm going into combat. He was a paratrooper. He was not a company clerk. He was a rifleman. And so we knew he was going to be shooting and being shot at. And we prayed and we never worried about, we never worried about him because we knew God would watch over him because we were walking with God. Now, you might say, well, wouldn't God do that anyway? Go back to verse 1. Now it shall be if you diligently obey Yahweh your God. Yeah, nobody does that perfectly. I understand that. But when you're pursuing the will of God for your life and you've made some choices and you will have to make choices, you will have to make sacrifices. There's no doubt about it. And you've done those things. That opens the door. I remember uh, Brother Hagin talking about how that when he was sound asleep, Ken Jr. was over in Hong Kong on R&R on the other side of the world. And he sat bolt upright in the, in the middle of the night and had a vision of his son riding a motorcycle on the side of a, of a great big mountain area and no guardrail. And he just went right off. And he started to pray and the Lord said, I've got this. No need to pray. I've got this. And he said, oh, Lord, thank you. He said, if you hadn't obeyed me. And he pointed back a long time ago when he had made some huge choices in his life to follow God and not to follow. He said, I would not have been able to do that. That was so crazy that his son actually brought his friends up to where that had happened and showed them the skid marks. And he, could, he said, look at this. Showed his buddies how the skid marks went off into the Colorado-style drop-off. And then a little ways up the road, they came right back on. He said, how does that work? Thank you, Jesus. And this young woman was telling a story about how she was running from God. And her parents were were believers and prayed over her and everything, but she was rebellious. You know, have has, has any you know sometimes when kids get into the teens, remember that Mark Wahlberg movie, you know, his version of Planet of the Apes, when they're selling these humans to the to the apes and everything, and the one orangutan who's selling the humans said, Oh no, you don't want her. No home needs a human teenager. There was humor in that movie. And one of her friends, her, her parents, had forbade her to go to this heavy metal concert. But being the rebel that she was, she went with a friend of hers who was something of a groupie. And they had backstage passes. And there was someone standing on Guard, you know, and I think it was a female standing on guard, you know, for the people coming in. And they both had passes. And she said to her friend, you can go. And then she pointed at her and said, you can't go in. And she goes, why not? She says, because you are a Christian. 
She said, I can see and I know that. And she said, I'm not a Christian. What are you talking about? <laughs> and she said, oh, yes, you are. Your friend can go in, but you cannot. And she goes, what makes you think I'm a Christian? She said, those angels standing right next to you and they're not going back there. Clue. She said, that's the first revelation. You know what? This is real. The darkness that was functioning back there, light was not welcome. Angelic spirits of the holy kind, and they were with her because of her parents surrounding her with prayer. Blessed shall be the offspring of your body. Everybody say amen. Let's keep going here. Um, all the people of the earth will see that you're called by the name of Yahweh and they will be afraid of you in awe. Yahweh will make you abound in prosperity in the offspring of your body, the offspring of your beasts, the produce of your ground and the land which Yahweh swore to your fathers to give you if the Federal Reserve will lower rates. How many of you think that that has anything to do with God? Zero. Yahweh will open for you his good storehouse of heavens and give rain to your land. Most people miss this part. In its season, his timing. And bless all the work of your hand. And believe me, he'll have something to say about what it is to which you put your hand. And you shall lend to many nations, but shall not borrow. Oh, make it so, Lord. Amen. That's what I call the Dave Ramsey blessing. <laughs> Yahweh will make you the head and not the tail. You will be above only and not underneath. If you will listen to the commandments of Yahweh your God, which I charge you today, and observe them carefully, do not turn aside from any of the words which I command you today to turn to the right or to the left or to go after the other small g gods to serve them. Notice in verse 1 and in verse 9, God promises to raise his people above the people round about. What a marvelous opportunity we have going forward as the world around us continues to sink. As the, you know, I, I was reading the other day about, uh, uh, just a couple of days ago, about all these horrific flight delays that, that we're having and cancellations and everything. And two different, I talked to two different people who said, well, I had somebody that flew out and they didn't have any trouble at all. They made it just fine. Yes! And that doesn't mean you'll never be delayed. I love verses 12 and 13. Rising, not falling. Lending, not borrowing. Head, not the tail. But when you get to verse 15 and following, that's where the curse starts. And read through the curse, and you need to. You need to read through the curse because you need to know what's there. So that when those things start happening, you know that's not my heritage. That's, that doesn't belong to me. Because the enemy will come and say, well, that's just part of life. You know, don't get me wrong. We face challenges. We face, we, you know, hand to hand. You know, I've had times, I, you know, I've been, I've had two operations on my body. You're well aware of that. I stand before you a man wearing titanium hips. Sometimes I feel like I need to plug myself in or something, you know. 
USB. Would it have been, would I rather have been healed and so I don't have to have those surgeries? The answer is yes. But I don't give up on God just because I didn't connect. How many of you with me? Not only that, I've also noticed that even though my inward man is 18 years old, my outward man is almost 68. There seems to be a 50 year gap between what I think I can do and what I actually can do. And it's not fair. Nor fun. But Paul himself said, though the outward man decays. How many of you have an outward man that's decaying? Let's keep reading. Deuteronomy 28, 43 and 44. This is part of the curse. The alien who is among you shall rise above you higher and higher, but you will go down lower and lower. Have we seen that? Oh my, yes. He shall lend to you, but you will not lend to him. He shall be the head and you will be the tail. That's not part of the blessing. Being the greatest debtor nation in history is not part of the blessing. When I go over, and, and we're going to see this, we're going we're to see this. Verse 66. And I didn't give that to Susan. Susan, if you want to put up 66 and uh, following. So your life shall hang in doubt before you. And you shall be in dread of night and day. And you shall have no assurance of your life. In the morning you will say, I wish it were evening. And in the evening you will say, I wish it were morning. Because of the dread of your heart, which you dread. And for the sight of your eyes, which you shall see. And Yahweh will bring you back to Egypt in ships by the way about which I spoke to you, you shall never see it again. And there you shall offer yourselves for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves, but there will be no buyer. I don't want to go back to the world. I don't want to be a slave of the world, and that's what Egypt is. That's the world system. I don't want to be the slave of that. I don't want to be trapped in that. Because God has something better for his children. We are a holy nation. If our musicians would come. A royal priesthood. And God has made us that way. I want you to think about this saints. When you do the word. When, when we just read through there. You didn't see the word reward. Even once. You know why? Because those blessings are not the reward. They are the product. The produce. When you plant tomatoes. Within a certain number of days. What happens? They you get tomatoes. We have a pear tree, it's supposed to be a dwarf pear tree, but it's kind of forgot that. Every dwarf tree we've ever planted turned into full size. Maybe that's the blessing of God. 
And this pear tree always has lots of blooms on it. And we had never, there were, there were summers that we didn't get a single pear off of it. Other, the most we ever got was eight, eight pears. Then Aaron comes along and puts a beehive at the back of our property. And in the, in the, in the spring, that pear tree just bloomed like crazy. And I told, I was talking to Aaron on the phone. I said, hey, uh, our pear tree is really blooming. He said, are the girls on it? That's what he calls his, his, his bees, the girls. I said, were the girls on it? And I said, oh man, you ought to know. Because I went out there and looked, and I mean, that tree just had bees all over it. I mean, it's only, what, 50 feet to the hive. And I, baby, have I got pears. I'm here to tell you, I just counted the lower quadrant, one lower quadrant, just one-fourth of the circle around the tree, counted about two-thirds of the way up because I can't tell the higher ones, and I counted over 50 in that little place. And my wife and I are going, oh boy, I mean, some of these branches are starting to do this, and the pears that come off of this thing when they, you know, go to maturity and everything. When you do it God's way, you get the product. We get a reward when we get to heaven. But if I do the Word of God, it will produce. Are you with me? That's why God says, do this and live. You're going to love it doing this way. I've, I learned how to, you know, one of the, when you start doing stuff, you hopefully get smarter about it. I was slicing some mangoes. I'd never done that before. I didn't know that the mango seed was flat. That was a real surprise. And so, I did, went through them and all that kind of stuff and uh, learned the second time, cut off the bottom, cut off the top. That way you can hold it and it sits still. And then you can slice, and then slice from this side, slice from that side. Goes a whole lot faster. I've got a wound here from slicing apples. I discovered that instead of wounding yourself slicing apples, go over to Walmart and buy an apple slicer. <laughs> faster, better, safer. Right? And I, 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 I'm picking up speed. The better we know the word, the better we know the scripture, hear me, the better you'll know the voice of the spirit. I'll close for the third time with this. I've used this illustration before, but it really works. One of my favorite TV shows when I was a kid in elementary school was Get Smart. Don Adams, Barbara Feldon. How many of you remember the show? Some, some of you are too young. But the fact is, they, we had what they called the Weekly Reader. How many of you remember the Weekly Reader? And you could buy books. They had books for sale. In the, on the, in the back of the weekly reader. And my parents would give, and I was a voracious reader when I was a kid. So my parents would give me money to buy the books from the weekly reader. And there were some get smart books that were available, you know, 
99 and 86 and The Chief and Larrabee and all of the characters from Get Smart. And I was absolutely gobsmacked one day when I got the book. I was so happy. I started to read it. And when I was reading that book, I could hear Don Adams' voice in my head. I could hear Barbara Feldon's voice in my head when 86 was talking. I mean, 99 was talking. I could hear the chief's voice. And when, when 86 would say, would you believe? Just like he did in the TV, or missed it by that much. Just like he did in the TV show, and it was in the book, and I could hear his voice. That same voice that you hear in your spirit when you read the scripture, that's the voice of the spirit. And as you read, and you meditate, and you, you chew, and you digest that scripture, you are training yourself to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit because He is the author. He is the one, you know, don't go out of here saying, I compared the Holy Spirit to Agent 86. It's not what I'm doing. What I'm saying to you is we learn, we grow, and as we respond, we get to grow more. How many of you are aware of the fact that God doesn't promote people socially? We have that in school. Well, the kid didn't do well. He really didn't learn anything, but we're going to go ahead and socially promote him. Not doing him any favors. God will not promote us socially. He will, move, he will promote us spiritually, and he does that when we're ready. When the necessary tasks, developmental tasks, have been Accomplished. Those of you watching by web, if you do not know Jesus of Nazareth as your Lord and Savior, do not wait. We live in a world that is spinning out of control, and you need to get a hold of God and let God get a hold of you as quickly as possible. Last night wouldn't be one bit too soon. How do you do that? You just give your heart to Jesus. You say, Lord, I believe with my heart and can, Father, I believe with my heart, I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is your son and that you've raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. And scripture says that it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, or how horrible a life you've led up to this point that you have crossed the Rubicon from death into life and from the being under the boot of the prince of the power of the air into the family of God. What an awesome thing. Christian, if you've been stirring it with your finger and living casually before the Lord, and not jumping in with both feet. I mean, when you go, when you go to the lake in the summertime and the water's a little bit cool, it is torture to first go in up to the to the ankles, and then we go into the knees, and then we're like, nah, just jump in. It's a shock, but it's good. And God says, I want all of you, not just part of you. I want total 
commitment. And believe me, that's where you want to be in this day and age. Don't stand and worship from a distance. Don't bless from a distance. He wants you to come into his very presence that you can be transformed. Amen and amen. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, iccfamily, all one word, dot O-R-G, iccfamily.org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.